Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Game Football Podcast from The Times. Today we are talking about Wayne Rooney, Birmingham City and asking why do England's golden generation of players keep struggling as managers? We'll also be looking at the winners and losers from the festive period and previewing the FA Cup's big matches. But before all that, as it's the new year, we start with a message of hope. Richard Hope, to be exact. He's a listener who got in touch to say, please, please, please keep going with the facts about Gregor Robertson's career. And so, with that in mind... Joining me, Tom Clark. not only do we have the chief correspondent for the Times and Sunday Times, Martin Samuel, and the Sunday Times football correspondent, Jonathan Northcroft, but also a former footballer who has enjoyed a break at New Year this year, much like during Nottingham Forest's 2004-05 season, when he mysteriously received a straight red card against Sunderland <laughs> in late December and therefore missed the New Year's Day game against Stoke. Which Forrest won, by the way. So was it a good party in 2004, Greg? It was a great party, yeah. 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 Well worth Every it. Every cloud, yeah. I remember that. It was uh, Julio Arca, I think. And we had a corner. And Andy Reid Andy Reed should have laid the ball back to me. He tried a little Cruyff. Sunderland broke away. And uh, Julio Arca was running clear through. And I'm the one here in back trying to chase him. And I scythe him down. Oh, proper side on the edge of the box. So it was worth it. They missed the free kick as I went right. off. You know, it was only like ten minutes to go. But then I think Julio Arca bent in a uh, a winner. Yeah, you did. You lost. You lost two one as well. So but it was a wee bit awkward afterwards. It was like it, it nearly. Yeah. It was nearly worth it. Mm. And then maybe the guys didn't quite hold on in the end. Were you um, were you one of those that puffed out your chest and? Applauded the fans as you went off. <laughs> no, my head was very, very low at that one. <laughs> what yeah, was that? Nineteen. <laughs> yeah, that, you'd have been quite, quite young at that point. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, at least you had a good New Year's, New Year's Eve. I did, yeah, very much so. Reason to have a few shandies. Anyway, well, one man who didn't enjoy New Year's Day this year was Wayne Rooney. His Birmingham team were beaten three 0 by Leeds, a ninth defeat in fifteen games in charge, which meant he was sacked the next day. Uh, in a statement, Rooney said, "Football is a results business, and I recognise that they have not been at the level I wanted them to be. However, time." is the most precious commodity a manager requires and I do not believe 13 weeks was sufficient to oversee the changes that were needed. Now Johnny you know I'm going to come to you Mm. first Uh, you know Wayne well Uh, he's been a Sunday Times columnist of course Um, this is a big blow for his aspirations as a manager isn't it? How will he be feeling after this? Yeah look it's a huge blow for Wayne uh, and I haven't spoken to him in the last few days but I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll be he'll be feeling really really low about this because having kind of spoken to him along the the, the, the managerial journey from, from when he um, 
became player coach at Derby, he had a sense that he was building a career and the plan was always to get himself to a point where he, he, he arrived at a, a, a good job, um, you know, either a Premier League job or a, or a club with potential for the Premier League. Round about this this point, you know, I suppose he, he, he just completed his pro licence this year, um, you know, two to three years in management and, and Birmingham City was supposed to be for him that kind of um, that springboard and it's it's gone badly wrong. Um, he wouldn't have envisaged lasting no more than 13 weeks and I know he was shocked by the the um, by the decision to sack him but he didn't see it coming he thought he was going to get the transfer window um, and I think it's a it's a rea- it's a reality check it's a lesson in the brutality of football because he arrived with a mandate and, and to to try and change how the football club played um, it wasn't a reflection. John Eustace was doing a very good job, but but what Birmingham wanted was a style of play that they felt could not just take them up, but but um, sustain them in the Premier League. Now we can debate the reality of the sense of reality the owners have had, but but that was the aspiration. Go and make us play, I suppose, a bit like Ipswich Town play or Leicester play or Burnley played last year. That's the way to get out of the Championship, um, and you know we're going to invest along the way. So. To to leave fifteen games in is 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 pretty brutal for him. Um, he lost nine of those games, and and I suppose the lesson is that you know it's, it's a Mike Tyson thing about everyone's got a plan to get punched in the face. I mean, you you, ha- you do have to keep getting results to um, allow a project to to, um, to 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 grow, I suppose. And and he didn't get those results that that got him to this transfer window. Um, I'm I'm surprised. I have to say. I mean, I've got my my wife's cousin's a Birmingham fan, and and <clears throat> was quite happy about this decision. Let's say I thought a lot of Birmingham fans are, but I was surprised that the club didn't um, didn't give him that transfer window and and at least stick with the the plan that they they, they thought they had. Martin, yes. Your response. To some, your response. Happy New Year, by the way. Happy New Year. Uh, your response to some of Johnny's points there, because there's lots of things he touched on, and we do have to look also at Birmingham City here, don't we? Because mm. you know it's not Wayne Rooney's fault that they sacked John Eustace, who was doing well, but it, it did seem like a lot of the fan frustration, as Johnny hinted at there, was directed at Rooney when actually it's not his fault he got the job in no. the first place. Well, Wayne came into uh, a job in totally different circumstances to most managers because he came into a a job that was vacated by somebody that was doing really well. And it wasn't vacated because John Eustace went on to better things. It wasn't vacated because he got a good offer in the Premier League and, and left. He didn't, you know, he didn't want to leave. So... Wayne arrives, most people arrive at a football club and, and they're doing no good, they're down the bottom or whatever. You know, you think of Roy Hodgson going into Crystal Palace last last season, one, two or three matches, suddenly he was, mm. he was an absolute hero. Uh, you look at um, Nuno going into Nottingham Forest, a, a, a couple of wins and, you know, man's walking on water there. Um, with Wayne... They were doing all right. They were doing better than Birmingham have done for a long, long time. And then they changed the manager. Now, two things. One, the players were responding to John Eustace. 
So it wouldn't have been a popular decision with the players, nor would it have been a popular decision with the fans who were who were looking at a, a, a start to a season where they were in the playoffs. So he had a. I'm not saying it was stacked against him because the advantage of going in with a team mm. playing well is that, that you, you go into a team with momentum. But it wasn't the normal appointment and he was there to do something totally different. He was there, it was a directional change that they wanted. They were looking, as as John said, they were, they were looking ahead, a year ahead, two years ahead. They were looking at the future of the football club. <laughs> so... The fact that 15 games later um, they've decided against that, it, it reminds a little bit of uh, when De Boer went into yeah. Crystal Palace uh, with, with you know to change the whole philosophy of the club and got sacked afterwards. Three games? F- five matches? Was three, it? Three, in the, games, three, in the, some, yeah. three in the league, wasn't it? Um, and you think, well, you weren't really committed to that, mm. were you? You know that what, and, and now I can understand... In, a, in another way, I can understand because they're probably looking at that league table and thinking, if this carries on, mm. we end up in League One. Um, so I can understand it from that point of view, but at the same time, 15 matches. What, what you know, you're meant to be changing the direction of culture of a club, but you've got 15 matches for that mm. to work. Um, it's not realistic. I thought. I know this sounds a strange thing. I thought Gary Cook was smarter than that. Mm-hmm. I really did. When you when you look at the changes that he made, however it ended, uh, it didn't end well for him at, uh, at Manchester City, but you look at the changes that he made there and you also, when you talk to people at Manchester City, how people talk about what Gary Cook did there, and I think I've mentioned it on, on this podcast before, that you won't find anyone who's got a bad word to say about Gary Cook at Manchester City. And they really do mm-hmm. credit him with a lot of the... Um, evolution towards a, a more modern football club. I thought we were smarter than that. Mm. Gregor, lots of points that I want to pick up on and come back to, and we will talk about that golden generation point. But just on the championship, lots of times in the past, maybe in the last 10 years, people talking about managers cutting their teeth in the football league. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a stat I saw Wayne Rooney was sacked after 82 days. He was the 15th longest serving yeah, manager yeah. in a 24 team league. Is it actually the case that, you know, when we think about Rooney and his time at Derby and things, he's actually picking maybe one of the most unforgiving leagues to go into? Because as Martin says, you've got these big teams like Birmingham, which are getting new investment and a desire to play the right way or the most attractive way, and also stay in a stay in a division that is fiercely, fiercely competitive. Is it actually not quite the place to cut your teeth that it, we used to think it was? You could look at it like that, although you know, as Johnny outlined at the start, it was it was a club. It is a club set up to make the step into the Premier League. He's not going to get a Premier League job, so naturally, you look at a club that has potential of making that step and and, and being the person to to achieve that. And it's a great league, it's still a great league. But you're right, everything you say. And you look at the you look at the the top of the top end of the table, and it's the teams with parachute payments and. It's hugely competitive, and you look at the you know some of the the names that Johnny just picked out there, and Enzo Maresca, Leicester, um, Kieran McKenna, Ipswich. These guys are hugely talented coaches. Mm. Like we have to see, you know, every every appointment is a, is a bit of a punt. Maresca was a bit of a punt, but he had a huge, you know, he had a kind of association with Pep Guardiola. He'd been working at Man City, had a great reputation. McKenna had a great reputation. They've worked out really well. Rooney's was a punt because you're hoping that he's going to be 
something that no one knows whether he is a good coach or not yet, really. Because mm. he's the jobs he's had before, Derby were a basket case, the MLS were slightly out of sight, out of mind, and there were some serious challenges there that he had to deal with too. So he wasn't appointed. He was appointed for other reasons, really, let's be honest about it. And the hope was he would be the manager that and coach that they, they wanted them to be. And it's, we still don't know. I think fundamentally we still don't know the answer to that question about Wayne Rooney as a coach and manager. Because I, the more and more I think about this, I just think he, he was set up to fail. Because I was at the, his first home game, which was his second game in charge, 2-0 defeat to Hull. And the, the crowd had already turned. He, he was booed off. He was like, there was real anger about Eustace's de- departure. And this sort of feeling that the club knew knew better and there was, was like almost a bit of a, an arrogance about it there's a bit of an arrogance about Gary Cook's words in his statement mm. afterwards too yeah. we are still we are still committed to doing what is necessary to bring success to St Andrews like you know unfortunately Wayne's time with us did not go as planned we've decided to move in a new direction zero mm. contrition like sorry we've really ballsed up here <laughs> I think the fans kind of deserve that almost um, so I, I think he was set up to fail partly because of the way that the the you know the crowd were really angered by the decision, and partly because of the kind of PR guff that associated his move about this pivot to a no fear playing style, and you know what does that mean? Mm. And and he, the idea that he had to you had to see evidence of that immediately, and in that second game in the press conference afterwards, he'd already had this massive dressing room sort of inquest. And said to everyone in the gathered media, I've kind of just said to the players, Are you not comfortable doing this? And they said mm. the answer was no. Mm. So like in the second after the second game, the players were hearing the message that they're not good enough to do the things that the club want them to do. Mm. No mm. chance. And all of this no fear stuff. But fear's not the worst thing in the world. Mm. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not the worst thing mm. in the world. I mean it it becomes oh we want a no fear break. There should be a little bit yeah, of fear. Yeah. You, you know, you, you, there should be, you should never be so complacent that you think you've got all the answers. You should always be a little bit, there should be a little bit of you that is always worried that, you know, there's a smarter way of doing mm-hmm. this or the opposition are, are, are going to bite you on the arse in some way or, or some of the things that you're doing, is it good enough? Now, that doesn't mean being scared of your own shadow, but it does mean having, you know, just a little bit of... Uh, yeah. You know, apprehension, a little bit of questioning, you know. Also, I mean, the, the owners haven't shown a no-fear culture. Well, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's a great big, but, you know, someone's, someone's bottle's gone, haven't they? Yeah. But, you know, there's, you know, there's yeah. no, no <laughs> finer point on it. Someone's bottle's gone. Yeah. yeah, talking about the idea of no fear in this playing style, Johnny, just to bring it back to Rooney before mm. we kind of broaden it out again, what kind of coach does he want to be? And also... Another question maybe now mm. for him in his career, Gregor highlighted Kieran McKenna, Maresca, you know, play, uh, so coaches, sorry, that have worked with other managers maybe as coaches rather yeah. than been the figurehead. Is that maybe yeah. what he needs to think about going forward? Well, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing with Wayne because when you, you think of the managers that he played under and you immediately think of Alex Ferguson and David Moyes. But actually, the person he's, he looks up to most like a lot of young coaches is Pep Guardiola. And and he says he told me once that the the coach he felt he'd learnt most from tactically that he played under was Louis Van Gaal, who had you know mm. similar f- fundamental beliefs to Guardiola. So he wants to play that that 
positional play, um, positive stretch the pitch, Cruyffian, whatever you want to call it, style of football. And I visited him in Washington last year, and and he took me on the training pitch, and and we were chatting, and and we were just standing outside the the penalty area, and he, and he stopped me. He went, "Oh, this is this is where." Kevin De Bruyne receives the ball and this is where he does his damage and what you need to do is this, this and the next thing. Um, so that's what he's imbibed, that's what he aspires to and I suppose that's what he thought he was going to do at, at Birmingham but you know, as, as Gregor alluded to, you, 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 if the players, if you don't think the players can do it or the players can't do it or you're expecting the players to do it after a couple of games, I think that's a lesson learnt here isn't it that, that um, there has to be an evolution phase and, and what's interesting about looking at Pep Guardiola is you know I, I, I see Pep as as much a pragmatist as an idealist hmm. um, someone that will you know he famously mm-hmm. said he hates tiki taka because mm-hmm. it's it's not pragmatic it doesn't produce any results so I actually wonder if some of Pep's disciples get, get Pep wrong but, but anyway that's what Wayne Rooney wants to do I mean another interesting point I think is that he possibly flourished best when he was working with Liam Rossini at, at, at Derby they had, a, they had a really good spell together and there was a nice division of labour because Liam's a very very good training ground coach and he did a lot of that stuff and Wayne's got real talent I think for, for managing people and, and, and if you think about what he did at Derby the way he, he was able to manage a whole football club that was in this Situation with a, a meltdown from the ownership, and nobody was getting paid, and 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 he, you know, he took a lot on his shoulders, meeting fans, getting make, making sure the staff were looked after, and keeping the players' morale up. And I think, and he he he's also said to me that he sees himself as 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 a manager as much as a as a coach. So I just think there's been, uh, you know, as, as we as we've talked about, there's probably been a disconnect between ideals and and um what's possible in a in a short phase of time he needs now i think a football club where there's a, an ability to and it it, may, it might be that he has to look at league 1 or whatever but a football club that's got enough breathing space and maybe a younger group of players or or whatever you want to start implementing but, these but, ideas over time but he knows nothing about league 1 yeah. that's the, that's part of the problem that when um, Eddie Howe yeah. took over Newcastle and, and Graham Potter I think the same thing at, at, at Chelsea and they got asked about the Champions League and both men I think said that not only have they never been involved in a Champions League match <coughs> they've never actually been to a Champions League game <laughs> never, never seen one and, and people said straight away oh, what, what, how, how are they going to mm. handle this how are they going to handle this level of football Wayne Moon has got the opposite problem you know his first League One match was the first one he managed. That was his first experience of League One. Mm. And I can remember being, so we're going back a little while because Sky have still got the uh, Champions League at this stage, but I can remember being in Barcelona uh, with uh, Jamie Carragher and, uh, and a few of the chaps and it was after uh, a Champions League match. I want to say Arsenal, but it could have been Liverpool. But anyway, the night goes on, me and Jamie, and in the end we're back in my room working our way through the minibar. <laughs> and you can see New Camp through the window. Um, and he was talking about why he didn't go into management. Bearing in mind, everyone 
knew Jamie as somebody who watched football, you know, all the time, watched all different types of football, very interested in talking to coaches. Everyone thought Jamie would be a manager, everyone. And he said about where you have to start, where you would have to start. And he said on a night like this, and so we look at New, it's now about three o'clock in the morning, New Camp, he's still got all the lights on. He said, you know, you look at that. He said, I come here. He said, I see guys that I used to play against. He said, we, you know, we have a chat. He said, I'm, I'm at the football that I know about, the football that I played in, the mm. Champions League football. He said, if I'm coaching Port Vale tonight, he said, but Liverpool are playing mm. Barcelona. I'm standing on the touchline at Port Vale, but thinking, I should be at I should be at New Camp. I should mm. be, you know, that's that's where, you know, for want of a better phrase, that's where my tribe is, basically. Mm. You know, that's where the people I know, the people I've grown up with, the football that I know, that's where it's being played tonight. It's not being played at Val Park with the greatest respect to Port Val. And he said, I just didn't, yeah. I, I did And you look at Wayne and you look at the, way, the football that Wayne has played all of his life and the football that he is now being expected mm. to apply those principles to well it's not the same game yeah. Gregor you've played a lot in the football no, that's, that's true it's a, it's, there, you know between some levels you could say it's almost a different sport I'd actually say that even the sport has changed from sort of the generation of Jamie Carragher and, yeah. and you know the football he's asking his, his players to play it's not even the football Wayne Rooney played yeah. no absolutely yeah. John, you know I watched John Ruddy who's, who was like pretty much close to the same age as Wayne Rooney <laughs> Trying to be like a sweeper keeper and ping, you know, be like the man. He's asking people to do things that they weren't comfortable with doing. And like, I also just to go back to the point that Johnny made about the support staff. That's important too because there's not one route to success. So we're not saying that, you know, Rooney because he wants to play like Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola, he has to be, you know, as 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 good a coach as Pep Guardiola. But part of the craft is and sort of skill of being a manager is surrounding yourself with people who are, you know, if not that, but you know, have those those uh, capacities, and you look at his his staff. It was Ashley Cole, John O'Shea, and the the one with with, with experience is Carl Robinson, former mm. Wolves and yeah. uh, Sunderland midfielder. Mm. He had ten years as a coach with in the US, Australia, Canada. Mm. That's your experienced guy in your coaching staff. Like, I think that was another mistake. Yeah. That was a mistake, and we're not saying the experience is everything because yeah. Rosinha is not experienced. No, but. And he actually he fell into his lap. He was he wanted the job mm. when he got when Rooney got the job, but he had a, someone who's, who had that talent beside him. Mm. And it doesn't look like, although he's not had the time either. It, I think surrounding yourself with the right people is going to be very important for Wayne Rooney because he has presence. He has. Yeah. There's no reason why he can't be a manager type as opposed to mm. just a coach. Well, you talk about presence and manager mm. types, and it was interesting, you know touching on that kind of coach support and you think about Steven Gerrard's most successful period at Rangers he had Michael Beale mm. who I remember reading a piece by Michael Grant our Scottish football correspondent that said that you know Gerrard was the manager Beale was the coach Beale was the guy mm. in the training well, ground doing the work and Gregor's points there maybe these kind of guys who are the figureheads the people who are going to do the team talks where players go wow Wayne Rooney's really inspiring yeah. me here but yeah. actually you need someone who's going to implement the tactics is that fair Johnny? I, th I think it probably it probably isn't. I'd add Frank Lampard's best spell at Chelsea was probably when Anthony Barry was 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 working his his, his sort of magic with set pieces and some of the organisation of Chris Anthony's now at, at Bayern Munich and 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 is a brilliant young coach and and I think with all of these guys um, 
you know, we've been talking about realistic expectations. You know, <clears throat> whenever I heard Stephen Gerrard talk at Aston Villa, there was an element that he he was always he always seemed so angry when they underperformed that he couldn't understand why players hadn't come up to his standards. And 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 Frank Lampard could never get his teams to defend. You know, very idealistic coach as well. And um, maybe that coaching figure that you need has to also give you that that sense of perspective and 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 allow you to see what is actually possible but also the other things you need to do organizationally to to bring your ideas into play um and and Wayne surrounded himself in this job with fellow young coaches who were on the way up Pete Shuttleworth was with him in in, in DC uh, I, I know Pete as well but again a young coach with not a great deal of number 2 experience um, all a group of young guys basically trying to go on a, a project together. Maybe that 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 figure um, that w w was lacking from the staff. You've got to also think that you know what what we expect from these guys, or what we think someone can get a, a club gets from these guys. It's also got to be contextualised and balanced with modern football as it is. So Aaron Shearer goes into Newcastle to try to keep them up. And everyone goes, oh, this will be fantastic. Aaron Shearer, Newcastle, mm. it's perfect. You'll be so inspirational. And you go, well, yeah, Rob Lee knows all about what Alan Shearer meant to Newcastle and the Gallagher end know all mm. about what Alan Shearer meant to Newcastle. But have a look at the rest of their squad and there's only so far you're going to get with a load of players that are not from Newcastle, not even from this country, with your, come on, we'll join yeah. this together, here we go, you know. That doesn't really cut much ice if your experience of football is majority in Peru or somewhere yeah, there's like a, there's that. A, you know, it, it's... It, there's a generation thing as well, Mark. Absolutely. Jude, Jude Bellingham was less than one year old when Wayne, Wayne Rooney was at, yeah. at Euro 2004, and, you know, it's a generation I, of players. Now. I'd also even add that I think there's maybe... You know the, what we just said about Rooney, you know the way he's going to have to structure his what, what he's going to be going forward. I think that's actually dying. I think a lot of the, the new generation or the next generation of footballers, they're actually inspired by seeing a vision of a coach. By Anthony mm. Barry, you mean? That, and, and the like. Yeah, look, look I, did, I did a piece of, a, a, about a month or two ago about how one in five of of the ninety-two managers in England now, roughly, have never played, and. What, so the way they get by in is by being really, really good on the training ground. Like mm. The players go, oh, this is something I can get on board with. Or oh, he's it, teaching me something mm. that yeah. I've not heard, thought of. Yeah. Absolutely. It's about competence. So you know, I, all the things we just said there, I, I, mm. I, that might be the way. And it's not it's not completely gone. You know, there are people who, who are more the figureheads. But I think the move is towards head coach massively. So that's why. And it's, 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 it's towards a certain style mm. of play if you want to be mm. the top level. That's why Rooney is, was mm. positioning himself in that way. And look, I mean, and that was his belief. I, I, I tell you what Wayne is, and he's a, he is a very humble person, and and I think he, he's somebody that well, the thing you'll have hated most about this whole Birmingham episode is the sense of fans thinking there was a sense of entitlement there, thinking, look at this superstar that's been parachuted in, because that, that's the last person he wants to be. Um, you know, he's, he, he said to me in the past that um, just because I was a big player doesn't mean I should get coaching opportunities. And then it's exactly what happens with Birmingham. So he, he will have hated this whole 
episode and um i i think he will have the humility to to learn from it and to try and learn from it and to do do what's necessary he's already been to america and and and, and tried to you know live away from his family and try to do something to build his career there so i think it's a bit early all the stuff about it being over for for wayne I'm, i i think he will go and learn from this and try and reinvent himself and um and 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 do that next thing and and maybe maybe it it will be as Gregor points out may, maybe it, he needs to morph into more of a training ground coach and alter this vision of being the manager who gets someone else to do the coaching i don't know but well, but he he'll have to he'll have to learn from it the kind of pattern it's not you know, the fear is that you know you, a lot of people that once they have a few setbacks they'll, they'll give up because it's a further down mm. the pyramid that they have to you know start again mm. from and it's it'll be demoralizing but the, the point i've kind of raised about these guys who've who've never played is that they've got 15 20 years experience as a coach which is the experience you know the same length of time that Rooney had as a player mm. they were coaching so he's starting from a in modern football he's, he's essentially starting from a dis- yeah. point of disadvantage um so it, it might it might be about learning the craft and if someone really 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 wants to do that then they should go away and do it as like, i say he only did his pro license this summer and he was he was in a, he was in dc getting up at six in the morning to do zoom lessons with people from the fa and then go and train the team and, and so so he is really early in that in that journey yeah i mean martin i want to finish on some quotes from roy hodgson talking mm. about rooney um hodgson who obviously managed rooney as england manager said rooney's got an outstanding football brain and was a magnificent footballer uh, he's proved that as a player that he really understands the game and he's astute tactically um talking about the idea of the likes of rooney gerard lampard um, getting these jobs Hodgson said they will be welcomed into a club because of their name and they will be expected to suddenly take over a team that hasn't been doing brilliantly obviously not the case in Rooney's case but make it fly do we think there's this I wanted to touch on that idea and Johnny's point about the um, entitlement mm. does that almost fall into us as fans because a lot of my friends when he got sacked ha 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 Rooney's got sacked etc mm. etc why, why do we have this within and are we in the media ourselves guilty of it as well of enjoying that story of look at this guy he's gone to Birmingham oh it's amazing because it is an amazing story mm. in its own right but does that make it harder for them to to become managers because as Gregor alluded to with the Birmingham fans and neutral fans and maybe us in the media are slightly rooting against them a little bit no, I don't think it's necessarily that I think the point that Roy was making and he, he actually says uh, there that he, he's talking more about Jard and Lampard's situation more than Rooney but the point he's making is that people expect, if you're a great footballer, people expect you to be able to have the impact as a manager that you could have had as a great footballer. It's almost as if Birmingham City are signing Wayne Rooney, the footballer. Well, if Birmingham City had signed Wayne Rooney, the footballer, at the peak of his career, they would not fall... Um, 15 places or whatever it is down the table it would have been the exact opposite because he would have destroyed the defences in, in that league and the same with Stephen Gerrard the footballer Frank Lampard the footballer the clubs that those guys went to if they'd have gone there at the peak of their playing careers they would have made an immediate impact and people see that they see that player they see that name and they think this is what he's going to do for us this is what he will do for us what you can do, what those guys can do, they might be able to get you a better class of player in a recruitment 
type way because people might want to work with Wayne Rooney or Frank Lampard or Stephen Gerrard. You've got to give them a transfer window to do that, by the way, which <laughs> Wayne didn't get. Mm. Um, but they can't possibly have the impact as a manager that they would have had as a player. And so the expectations of these guys are so on these guys are so much high is so much higher than it would be for another coach. Because they expect Rooney the manager to be as impactful as Rooney the footballer would be. Well that's not gonna happen. Johnny, we've talked about Rooney the coach. I know it's difficult for you to say, you've not yet spoken to the man himself, mm. but what do you think is next? Do you think we'll you know, he'll go away. We won't hear from Wayne Rooney for a while in terms of his man- managerial prospects, or will he want to dive straight back in and try and correct this uh, th- stage in his career? I, th- I think he'll want to get back in quite soon. Um, he may want to have a bit of a break because he really hasn't had one since finishing playing. He hasn't seen too much of his family, but um, I do. Th- I, I think I, I think we'll see him back. I, I've been reading all this stuff about managerial career over, and I just think that's. I just think that's journalism of the modern age to be honest just people want to make big definite judgments straight away oh it's all over for him it's not over for him he'll he'll come back he'll he'll have another go and I, I really do think he he'll 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 learn improve um he's got the humility he's got the love of the game to to do this um and when I think about is he's got he has got that football brain you know we did columns with him at the the world cup last year from a long way out, he said Argentina would win it. And I know that I know that one fact doesn't mean he's going to be a brilliant manager, but but in speaking to him over the years, he just he he does see football in in, in a really sharp way, and and surely that can be mined um, in in coaching. He's just got to find a route to do it. Absolutely fascinating. We'll see what's next for Wayne Rooney. If you've got views on him or any of the other golden generation or just modern management in general, please do get in touch. Tom.clark at thetimes.co.uk. Stick with us. Up next, we're finding out which team won the festive period in the Premier League. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Jane Garvey. And I'm Fee Glover. Off Air with Jane and Fee is going live. We are taking to the stage at the amazing Crucible Theatre in Sheffield on Friday the 31st of May. It'll be a night full of surprises. We'll have a special guest, we'll involve you in the audience and we'll embarrass ourselves. You really won't want to miss it. Well, the surprises, we don't yet know what's in it, so it genuinely is a night of surprises. Well, you've surprised me already. Uh, It's not just us. Our live show is part of an exciting new podcast festival called Crossroads. 
Wires, which is taking place in some really amazing venues across Sheffield from the 31st of May to the 2nd of June. So other podcasters that you'll be able to see include Katie Price, Catherine Ryan, Ramesh Ranganathan and the original Adam Buxton. But there's also a whole host of free fringe events, family shows, surprise acts and after parties that Jane and I haven't yet been invited to. I'm sure it's only a matter of time. Head to crosswires.live for tickets and more information. Welcome back to the Game Football Podcast from The Times. I'm Tom Clark and today I'm joined by Gregor Robertson, Martin Samuel and Jonathan Northcroft. Now, since the last time the four of us were in this studio, there have been three Three, count them, three rounds of Premier League fixtures. And Gregor, today you have written on the Times website about the winners and losers. And I must confess, when I looked into the stats and we were discussing this piece, I didn't predict the team who'd come out the top of the Premier League table. Tell us who it is. It's Wolverhampton Wanderers. Very, very yeah. good. That was like a game show. <laughs> <laughs> Scored the most goals as well. Yeah, um, wins against Chelsea, Brentford and... Everton. Everton, that's right. Uh Convincing wins as well, mm. and you know, I think, I think they claim to uh, level level on points with Chelsea, um, closer to the European spots than the relegation zone. It's kind of underlined, I think, just at the turn of the year, Gary O'Neill's position as probably the brightest young coach, mm. young English coach mm. in the country. Um, really, you know, just really smart, dynamic, mm. sort of. Hardworking, hungry. Those are the kind of words you associate with this Wolves team, uh, and they're also starting to score some goals now. That was always the fear, you know. That was always the worry. And uh, Huang's sort of uh, renaissance has been big, although he's going off to the to the Asia Cup, um, and he's just he's just kind of alighted on a on a system of play that um, that that makes Wolves really hard to play against and and very dangerous. So, yeah, surprise winners. But I would still say that the the real winners, which I sort of pointed to next, <laughs> were probably Manchester City. And why so? First of all, they you know apart was, f- apart from winning another trophy, we're not counting. Well, yeah, yeah. Despite the, despite the fact they played one game fewer than everyone else, along with Brentford, um, they came back, and you know the the whole kind of conversation when they played their last game, which was a draw against Crystal Palace, and they'd been in a stuttering run, was how big a lead are. Mm. Whoever you want to say, Arsenal, Liverpool, mm. going to open up, and it's not really happened. No one's taken complete control of the of the title race, and not only that, City have returned. Guardiola looks like he's got his mojo back. He's kind of when he's speaking about his team in such glowing terms and saying, "I like what I see from my team just now." I think really everyone else has to be a little bit worried, and you know he's praising their mentality. He said that the trip to Saudi Arabia. I mean, not only did they did they win the the Club World Cup it kind of gave them a bit of time for team building uh, and just the sense although it's only wins against Everton and, and Sheffield United that they might be just starting to kick into gear just as Kevin De Bruyne is about to return mm. just as Erling Haaland's about to return just as Mo Salah and a host of other players from their rivals are about to depart for international duty and they lose nobody 
and they lose nobody. So. Exactly. Well, that was my next point, Martin. We're looking at Af- Afcon and uh, the Asia Cup and things like that, mm. and Manchester City won the only team, I think, not to. No, lose. there's a couple. There's there a are couple. a couple. I'm trying to think who the other one is. It'll come to me. But yeah, but um, I wanted to, Gregor, you've teed us up nicely because as you as you say, yes, Newcastle. That's right. Um, as you say, City with a game in hand on Liverpool. Uh, so five points clear, Jurgen Klopp's team, but City with that game in hand. How are we feeling about this title race? It's again a subject that we've talked about on this Thursday show many times. Liverpool top, Villa still in there in second despite that defeat against Manchester United at Old Trafford. Then City, then Arsenal and Tottenham who've had a bit of a kind of renaissance with Ange Postacoglu with some players coming back. Although obviously as you say Son Heung-min now going to the Asia Cup. So that's a big issue for them. Johnny, what what do you think? Where we're at? Yeah, I mean I, I, I agree with the point that it's been a brilliant period for Man City um, but I think Liverpool have had a good period as well yeah. their only drop points were the game against Arsenal I was at that match it was absolutely humdinger of a game and, and one of those you'd have to you wanted to shake both teams hands for because they both played so well that to, to live each to live with the other one was, was an achievement and I don't think that's too damaging dropping points there um, I think Liverpool are in and, and the performance against Newcastle was stunning I mean that was one yeah. of the performances of the season so they're in really, really good shape, but they're about to lose Mo Salah, who I don't think I've ever seen play better than... than and Endo as well, who could... And Endo, who's else, become yeah. an important player, although McAllister's back from injury and Curtis Jones is playing so well at the moment. So maybe that's not quite so bad as, as the, the loss of Salah. And Darwin Nunes still can't score and nobody quite assists like Salah either. So th- th- there's a lot to kind of compensate for. 51% of the league goals he's either 51%. scored or assisted. Yeah, uh, which must be up there with anyone in terms of anyone in the Premier League in terms of share of their team's goals. Um, and City, I, I thought the Everton game was was enormous for them. Um, having gone down a goal, uh, looked a bit rusty in the first half, and then came came back and um, you could see how pleased Guardiola was with with that sort of second half performance. And I, I do expect them to go on to to, to a bit of a run now, um, but. Uh, they have got they have got a Liverpool team who who uh, are as in as good a state as they've been since winning the title and know exactly how to win this league. So maybe we are this dream of the four horse race has disappeared or may, uh, rather quickly. But uh, I still think we're set up for a fantastic um, combat between the, the two of those. Well, Martin, talking about the idea of a four horse race, Arsenal, of course, we praised mm. so often earlier in the season for seeming to have a little bit of a ruthless streak back and then as Johnny said we teed up this game with Liverpool and said can you go toe to toe and get something from Anfield and they did and then they lose to West Ham and mm-hmm. Fulham what what did we learn from those games is is this where again we maybe as the media and neutral football fans start to go oh they've Arsenal have bottled it again etc or is it think it's a bit bottled. more nuanced I don't think it's that? bottled I, I was very impressed uh, with Arsenal getting the point at Liverpool you looked at the league table at that point and thought right you are really in pole position you know your next game is against uh, West Ham at home um, the game after that was Fulham Fulham, Fulham and, and Fulham are Flaky, they can Fulham can be anything, but you should beat Fulham if you're if you're Arsenal. Um, and you're thinking, right, they could be in quite a commanding position here. And then they lost both games. So there, there's flaws in the team. You you know there are flaws in the team. They're, you know Zinchenko at left back against Liverpool, what uh, was an obvious flaw. 
the absence of a centre forward. Everyone looks at Arsenal and thinks they could really do with a defining goal scorer. Um, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard because Liverpool and Manchester City are, are two teams that have gone the course and distance mm. in the past. Um, and, and that does make a difference. You know, Alex Ferguson said that the, the hardest title to win is your first one. Um, and that's, you know, this group of Arsenal players, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for their first one. Man City players aren't looking for their first one. Um, even Liverpool, there are players there that have, that have won the league before. Not all of them, obviously, but there's players there that have won, know what it's like to win the title with Liverpool. So, you know, it, it's, gonna, it's going to be difficult. And I think last season, was it six games they ended up losing? But the bulk of that, I think they've already lost four. Arsenal have um, already lost four, yeah. yeah four, Arsenal have already four lost defeats, four. Four yeah. draws, yeah. yeah. You know, Ten it, points behind what they were, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in, in, in yeah. the modern in the modern Premier League, four matches is a lot of games to it's lose. It's about your it, limit, isn't it? it, it's, not, it it's about your limit. I mean, go back to the early 70s, have a look at how many Derby lost the, the, the time they won the league. I think they lost 11 matches that <laughs> season. It's some ridiculous number that would get you nowhere these days. The demand has changed. Four matches is a lot to have lost already. Well, another team that's lost four matches, sorry Johnny, is Aston Villa. And I just wanted to quickly touch on them, Gregor. Obviously they had that very poor performance at Old Trafford and lost against Manchester United, responded with a win against Burnley. If we're talking about Arsenal, they're, they're, um, Villa are two points better off. Are they still in it or are they starting to show the signs that we think they'll fall, they'll fall away as we expected them to? I think actually they maybe even took more points than their performances deserved over the Christmas period because the Sheffield United game, Sheffield United nearly did a job on them, mm. very nearly. So they were fortunate. I mean, it's hard to say fortunate. They maybe should have had a penalty. They dominated the game, but they could quite easily have lost that. United, uh, they were really sloppy. And in the second half, United were good. So, um, And then against Burnley, they were fortunate to get the penalty. And Burnley, were, Burnley had, had chances as well. So... It was a little slip in their standards, I think. But for the first time, I think they they looked like their legs were tiring this season. First time this season, so the break will kind of from from league action will do them good, I think. And they're very much in the. I don't know if they're in the title race. I think. I think they're in the top four race. I think you know. I was get, we were getting a bit excited, which is great, which is a wonderful then. achievement mm-hmm. for them, of course. But I'm only but asking because looking at the table now, they are second. They're three points behind. But you look, it says, it's kind of telling in itself that we've come to them last, although they're second, yeah. and you know above City and and, and Arsenal. Um, I, but I just to go back to Liverpool and Arsenal. I, I think I still think there are flaws in them. You know, we talk about you know they broke Liverpool broke XG records against Newcastle, but the game was kind of in the balance mm. until the 85th minute or something. And you look at all their games in December and actually all season, yeah. and like Fulham game. They came back to win 4-3. <laughs> uh, Sheffield United, they only scored the second yeah. right of the death. Um, there's another game as well. They, they've, they've kind of... They've not been seeing games out, you know... Uh, sorry, not been kind of putting games to bed in the manner you would expect from a kind of title-winning team. And that doesn't mean they're not going to win the title. That doesn't mean they're not going to challenge. But it means they're fine margins. And on top of that, losing Salah, who's often the one who opens the door or scores yeah. the goal that counts... It's going to be big. I agree with all of that. I'd, I'd also just say that Man City aren't Man City at the moment, and and there's been flaws in 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 them this season that that hasn't haven't been there for years under Guardiola. The games that they've thrown away late, um, you know, because they're in transition, so we're seeing a very open 
contest, whoever's going to win it isn't going to, you know, isn't going to go through serenely winning 1-0. I think we're looking at teams that are going to be winning 4-2, 4-3, and it's part of the charm of this year's Premier League. It's going to be a lower, lower points tally, I think. Lower points. Mm. Which more. is no bad thing. No, absolutely mm. not. Well, moving away from the title race and to a team that, you know, it might be the new year, but we're still talking about them because they endlessly fascinate me. There's no more fascinating managerial team combination than David Moyes and yes. West Ham. Yes. <laughs> Must talk about yes. them. Up to sixth, Martin. After yeah. That. You know what a what a what a run of results after that shambolic Carabao Cup. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? Yeah, I mean it wasn't a, it was a shambolic the, uh, the team more than anything else. No, it's great. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely great. I mean, look, he just want, doesn't what, care about sixth. We're going to get onto no, the no, FA Cup is, in a minute. Sixth is fantastic, but you know that's what it is. It's sixth. It's 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 it's, it's great. Mm. It's great, but I don't expect the readers to be interested, or the listeners to be interested in it. You know, as, you know, <laughs> West Ham fans will be interested in it, but I mean, people who are listening to this pod- oh, the, podcast. I but, mean, but the fact that he's going to that it seems apparent now that he's David Moyes is going to have a new contract. Yes, and that. West Ham, West Ham fans from the outside anyway. You'll tell, you'll know better than me that they finally appear to be kind of at peace with that. Yeah, I think is quite interesting because for a long period, probably until these wins against Arsenal and United, it was still a bit in the balance. Oh, it's always a fragile piece yeah. at West Ham. Though. It's always a fragile piece at West Ham. That, that's the thing. It is, uh, everyone hated the stadium and they started winning matches <laughs> and the stadium yeah, yeah. wasn't a problem anymore. Yeah. And you know, By the way, Old Trafford's the same. All this stuff about Old Trafford's falling down. If they were, if they were <laughs> top of the league, yeah, you no, could okay. stand there with the rain falling on your head, <laughs> soaking you through to the skin and if they were winning every single match, no one would care less. You know, the, you know, the, the stadium becomes a problem when when your team's doing no good. Johnny Moyes, new contract, happy? I don't think it's done. I mean, no, if it happens, no, everyone sort of came out of the blocks very quickly yeah. on it. I don't think it's done. I think things are moving in a better direction. But um, my my God, he, he should have got a new contract on the plane home from Prague. In in, in my unsurprising opinion on the matter, <laughs> but um, what a, what a job he's doing. And I I thought the the point against Brighton was actually a really good one. Because first of all, how good Brighton can can be, but you know West Ham were depleted, and and yeah. uh, something that's raised eyebrows at the club, I know, is the fact that um, that their game was on January the first, which was the the date that you have to release players for Afcon. So Kudus couldn't play, whereas Liverpool's was on December the thirty first, and yeah. Salah could play. No, oh, I, I must conspiracy admit, theories. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I've written about this all the time. You know, I've, I've always you know about. Clubs, you know, annoyed that their player has been taken African, and and they can't believe that a bloke that you know <laughs> with an African name, uh, born in Africa, turns out to be African. And um, <laughs> Man United, you know, you know, our centre forward's been taken African. Can you believe it? What what, what yeah. terrible luck! But but the thing is, with this one. I do genuinely have a degree of sympathy for both mm. West Ham and Brighton, who would have Brighton yeah. who could quite possibly have lost Matoma had he not been injured anyway. You know, the the Premier because that one's on the Premier League. Yeah. That's nothing yeah. to do with you've signed an African player, get used to it. This is on the Premier League that have moved one fixture to a date that is beyond of allowed one fixture to be moved uh, to a date that is beyond the deadline for Afcon. And for the Asia Cup as well, that's not right. That funny, you know. Jurgen Klopp goes berserk about twelve thirty <laughs> kickoffs. This is generally uh, equally not right. 
Um, no need for it. it. They should have just... Everyone should have played before that deadline, and then that's that's fine. DV money. Yes, well, oh, let's of not... Of yeah, Gregor, that's always been my argument, but... But under normal circumstances, I've got no sympathy for anyone with, you know, because, uh, you know, if you sign a player from Africa, you can't suddenly be surprised yeah. that he's African. Well, but, let's not get into TV conspiracy theories. <laughs> no, no, we're not getting into TV conspiracy theories, but that's on the Premier League, yes, by absolutely. the way, which used to be a sensible organisation run by sensible people who made good football decisions, and is no longer. Well, there we go. Let's save that for another podcast, because I want to come back to the table from the festive period and pick out a couple of other teams. Bournemouth in fifth, uh, and Gregor, another team that you picked out, Luton in ninth. Given the themselves table. in the festive, table. In the festive table, in the festive table that you can read in Gregor's piece. Yet yeah, only three games to take into account, but still, it's good fun. Come on, Luton up to ninth, giving themselves a chance in that table. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, as a response after the the trauma of you know Tom Lockyer's yeah. cardiac arrest, to get back their first back to back wins in the Premier League, um, and almost get a point against Chelsea which I was a, a game I was at would from not have, would from not have been undeserved to be honest yeah, actually they had more more possession and more attempts on goal than Chelsea in that game um it was a, a, a superb festive period for them and just they heading into 2024 you sense with a growing feeling of confidence that they can upset all the odds mm. and do something here because they've they've got a kind of they know what they do and and they feel like they're more assured at the level now uh, and they do do what they do well. They they get the ball wide. They get lots of crosses in the box. They're really dangerous from set pieces. And they've got Ross Barkley pulling the strings from the base of midfield. Andros Townsend added, added a bit of kind of quality with delivery and stuff. Alfie Doughty is one of the best crossers in the league. Mm. They're a tough proposition. And finally, Kenilworth Road has actually become the Kenilworth Road that everyone hoped it was going to be yeah. when, when they yeah. came back into the Premier League. So yeah, I think they've got a chance. Johnny, Martin, one word answers. Ross Barkley got a chance of making the Euros? No, but he's he's doing really well. <laughs> <laughs> That's not quite worth it. With Johnny and that, probably, uh, I, I would say not. But he was always a good player. I mm. can remember in uh, 2014 in Brazil, when we managed to get knocked out in, in, in two matches, the, the one bright spark that we all thought we had at that time was Ross Barkley who mm. played against I want to say Costa Rica, in, Costa Rica in a dead rubber, but was actually looked a lovely footballer yeah. and, and the best player on the field that day, and the whole thing you came away with with people saying why didn't why wasn't he involved you know when England you know in the two matches that England couldn't win and you know we we should have given Ross Barkley a chance, and you, it's it's a shame the way the man's career. Had, 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 Gone since then, mm. which is up a series of blind alleys and and, and everything, and it and it's great to see, it's great to see what he's doing with Luton because he looks the player that we all thought he was going to be. I agree that he's that England might be a step too far, but I think he'll be, he's got a good chance of earning a really good move in the mm. summer. Mm. A free Ross Barkley in this form. Mm. That's a great sign. Absolutely fascinating football insights, but I will say one thing for you lot: you are rubbish at the one-word answer thing. Um, <laughs> looking at that table from cobblers, <laughs> looking at that table from the festive period, which is in Gregor's piece, leads me nicely onto the FA Cup because one team in the bottom three are Newcastle, and they undoubtedly have the game of the FA Cup third round against Sunderland. Yeah. Johnny, you're going, I believe. I am. I'm excited. Really, ex- really excited about it. I think it's my first derby at the Stadium of Light as well, but. Yeah, I mean it's really. Do you want to see one at Boca. 
no, I've used it. Yeah, yeah, No, no, bro- brilliantly set up. I mean, it, Newcastle look on their knees in terms of energy and confidence at the moment, and and Eddie Howe's in his toughest period as manager there, and of course Sunderland are. are Got that new manager bounce with Michael Beale there, and and um, some very. I, mean, I saw Sunderland against Leicester earlier in the season, and they've got some really talented young players. Very mm. energetic team, which Newcastle will not enjoy having to face uh, an early kickoff as well. So, I th- it's a real fifty-fifty game, I think. Just to give some context on Sunderland, Gregor, because Johnny talks about that new manager bounce, but it's an interesting one because they sacked Tony Mowbray, which wasn't necessarily a hugely popular decision no. with their fans. Um, they then lost at home against Coventry over the um, festive period and they have got a lot of young players and exciting players but they've also got a couple of more experienced players Alex Pritchard who scored a great goal the other day um, in a big win for them this is a big moment for them isn't it as well we're obviously understandably focused on Newcastle but this is a huge moment for Sunderland having made it up to the Championship now got aspirations for, for the promotion and for the playoffs this is a big big moment for Michael Beale to make a bit of a stamp on this fixture Absolutely, and you've got to remember in the time that these two clubs have been apart, how much the balance of kind of power has shifted. Because hmm. I think, I think Sunderland are unbeaten in in nine going back to two thousand eleven. Obviously, as I say, they have been in different leagues for a lot, a lot of that time, and they won five in a row during that time. So Sunderland <laughs> were the the kind of <laughs> the team who uh, had the best of this this derby for a long time, uh, and since then Newcastle's world has been transformed. Um, and Sunderland, as you, you rightly said, they nearly bounced straight and you know back-to-back promotions. But it was very strange, you know. Even after that, there was immediately noises after the playoff defeat to Luton. There was immediately noises about Tony Mowbray and his future, and that seemed bizarre to outsiders. But I think there kind of possibly wasn't real synergy between the board and and Mowbray. Um, and Michael Beale's had a lot of setbacks as well. So, yeah. And but Sunderland have got some great players. I think Jack Clark as well as mm. his sort of renaissance mm. uh, after some another player who has kind of a lot of lost years after joining yeah. Spurs and the other Bellingham, of course. Indeed, yeah, yeah. yeah. some be. really good young players. So um, yeah, it's got the makings of a an exciting one. Could be his time to shine. But coming back to Newcastle, been discussing with Martin Hardy this week, and it was something that we touched on, uh, Gregor, in our show that we did before this one about Eddie Howe and talking about their struggles and kind of talking in a press conference and Martin Hardy ringing me up and going well Eddie said I've you know I've got a bit of a target on my back and you know things like that and I'm not sure I'm under that much pressure and I said to Martin I don't I didn't think he was but I do now um because mm. he's talking about it he makes it makes it a kind of story um, and puts it in the mind of Newcastle fans and neutral fans Martin do you do you think how is under pressure is it is it a case of lose this one and we start 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 asking the big questions no no. Very good. Moving on, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think that the people that are entrusted to run the club, I, I can't see how you can be trigger happy about Eddie Howe halfway through the season. You know, at the end of the season, then there's time, more time to make a decision. Then, there, you know, there, there might be input from the owners of the club uh, back in Saudi. Um, there might be a direction that, that they want Newcastle to go. And, and we'll see about that. And, you, and by then you'll know where Newcastle ended up. They would be insane 
to get rid of Eddie Howe halfway through <laughs> the season uh, after the job the man did. Uh, not just last season, but this season, if you look at the points totals and stuff like that, they're ninth in the league at the moment, but it's not beyond the realm of imagination with a few players back and stuff that they could make a, a you know, they could get through, cut through, you know, towards the European places again. If they hadn't done what they did last season, that would be yeah. seen as like, Newcastle doing all right. Absolutely. <laughs> the, one, the one thing I do think with Newcastle is, and the one thing I do think with Eddie is, whether it's got to win a trophy or not, but we all know what Newcastle have been missing, and it's not the Champions League, and it's not the Premier League. It's any trophy. Mm. Just any trophy. Win a trophy. You know, you could argue their worst result this season is failing to beat a very, very uh, mediocre Chelsea team when they were leading with, mm. what, five minutes to go? Oh, or whatever, but in, in, in the Cowbell mm. Cup. Because you saw how big it was uh, for, the, for the place when they got to the Cowbell Cup final last season. Didn't really turn up on the day. Um, you know, really their ambitions... The FA Cup is a, is a, should be a huge. You're talking about targets that should be a huge target for Newcastle United to well, win the FA Cup. Just to end, then that gives us kind of a bit of a fun way to end. And I'm not asking for any bias, and listeners should not believe there's any bias in this. But who would we like to see from a kind of a club and a manager, and perhaps a narrative standpoint point of view? Who would we like to see win the FA Cup this year? Anyone want to be brave enough to go first? It's two words, so I can't mm. say. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, oh, I'd, I'd say Luton for for, for <laughs> what they've been through. It's two words as well, I suppose. Um, and um, Aston Villa, another two words. I'd, I'd I'd love to see Unai Emery crown this this period with a trophy. Yeah, Gregor, Spurs. I, I was thinking Spurs. Been, been you know, and Postecoglou in FA Cup just feels right, doesn't it? It feels right. Yeah, and it doesn't feel impossible either. You know, them on their day, the way they play, they can. I think they probably could beat anyone. Or West Ham to make Martin Samuel happy and keep David Moyes finally getting that sign that contract. No, I mean, look, that's what you want to see. You want to see your own team win it. Everyone around this table, <laughs> either not in the competition or with due respect to Lincoln yeah, City. Yeah, we've been knocked out. You've yeah, been knocked already. out. So, um, you know, so I'm the only one with a, with, a, with a dog in the fight, so to speak. So, you know, I'd like to see my dog win it. But... Um, yeah, I mean, anyone that's outside of that elite six, yeah, if you know yeah. what I mean, really. I, I mean, I, I don't want to see Man City win it again. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to see one of the old guys. I'd like to see someone win it where it would yeah. mean something to the club, where it would elevate the club. That's that's what you want. You want you want the winners of the FA Cup. You want it to feel like a an elevation for that club. Uh, for them to be in the Europa League and for the Europa League to mean something to the club as well, um, as opposed to the Europa League as consolation prize because mm. you haven't made it to the Champions League for the 14th time in succession or whatever. That, so that's who I would like to see win it. And, you know, West Ham fit that category. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's great. But 
But if if not them, then a club that fits that criteria. Exactly. Well, they've all got to get through the third round first. You can keep up with all the latest reports and action from Johnny and the rest of the team this weekend. I'll say a little good luck to Maidstone United as the lowest ranked team in the competition. They're home to Stevenage. If they can get through that one, maybe they can get a big money-spinning tie in the next round. Martin Samuel, Johnny Northcroft and Gregor Robertson, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you too for listening. We'll be back on Monday with the best reaction from the FA Cup. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.